Hi, and welcome to the podcast, Use Your Powers for Good. I'm your host, Carolyn Ophel-Moselle, and I'm so glad that you're here. This is a podcast to inspire leaders, managers, and supervisors to use your powers for good and put more kindness into the world. Today's guest is Legina Deandro Weatherup, founder and president of Chantilly Mediation and Facilitation. Gina is on a mission to help leaders build happier workplaces. Now, who doesn't want that? Her company is Chantilly Mediation and Facilitation, and they help leaders build happier workplaces to resolve conflict, create, I'm sorry, my notes here. So we're gonna create collaborative plans and foster happier work cultures in any location. Gina is going to talk to us today about her work in the areas of conflict mediation, um, as well as creating happier workplaces for um, um, employers in general and employees, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Welcome, Gina. (laughs) We are so glad that you're here. First, tell us about your work to help leaders build happier workplaces. Sure. Um, It's funny. I actually came around to the happier work culture piece after I founded my business. So I, you know, in 2018, I was lucky enough to find myself with quite a bit of freedom to consider how do I want to work professionally? What do I want to do? After having spent years working uh, with a lot of nonprofits and government organizations, where I really focus on communications, equal employment opportunity, even a little political organizing work. Um, and when I thought about how how do I want to help people in the world um, and still get paid good money for it, I, I came back around to mediation, which I had been exposed to early in my career doing equal employment opportunity for the federal government. Um, and you know, I at first I just kind of thought, well, you know, I want to help people work through difficult conflicts. Um, and the more that I spent time really contemplating what that means, I came around to the idea that in private practice, I do do some court referred mediations here in Virginia where I am, but um, in private practice, I want to help people at work because I've been that. Um, you know, that employee who had a conflict with someone in another department and I talked to my supervisor about it and I was told, okay, well, you're going to behave this way now. And I was like, okay, if you want me to. And I did, but then guess what? I did everything I could to just avoid working with this person, which for the company was not an ideal situation, right? Um, it, it sort of was sort of like scope creep as a consultant, right? Like I just took on more work myself and then got burned out more um, because I didn't have any say in the way that conflict was resolved, right? So with mediation, the mediator is just a facilitator. We help people have a conversation. We follow a specific process. Um, there's never a guarantee of an agreement in mediation, which is hard for some folks to, to understand. Um, but that's by design because we know that when people can create their own best solutions, okay. those are the solutions that really stick right in the long term and, and that you get behavior change from because they've really thought about what's going to work for them. Um, So that's why I founded the company and I sort of expanded from mediation because I realized I get really excited when I think about 
workplace cultures and helping people to find better ways to interact and working with groups of people, right? Um, the kind of mediation I do is usually two individuals having a conflict or can't seem to communicate well, and I chat with them. But when it comes to culture work, when it comes to facilitations and group decision-making processes, I just get really jazzed about helping, you know, a group of 10, 20, 50 people figure out what their best path forward is going to be. So that work can look a lot of different ways. And then, of course, um, because I get asked to do it, I do do a variety of management trainings, um, mostly around emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. empathy, that are all part and parcel of, you know, building more happiness into the workplace because mm-hmm. you're increasing trust and collaboration and, and having the employees really feel their manager's investment in them because I'm helping the managers mm-hmm. express it a little differently. Mm-hmm. I know. And so, you know, uh, the statistic that's, that always sticks with me is that we'll spend over 90,000 hours um, in a lifetime at work. So, wow. Yeah. So, you know, when I, I have not actually heard that aggregate number. I know people spend more hours at work than anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, 90,000 hours yes, in a lifetime. So when I saw that, I said, it makes no sense not to be happy in a place yeah. that you were spending so much time in. And exactly. it remi- reminded me of my time, uh, my work time in city government over, I've, I've spent over 25 years in city government leadership. And at some point I, I, I said to myself, okay, I need to stop dating my coworkers and not in a like actual <laughs> dating sense, but I felt, felt like, I was there all the time. I saw them when I woke, when I got, you know, early in the morning, yeah. all through yeah. the day. I often had evening meetings and oh, yeah. all in between that, you know, there was dealing with conflict and mediation and, you know, just differences in how people worked. And especially when you have teams that you did not necessarily as a leader select yourself. Um, and teams that you have to work with across, like in my case, city government agencies. So you're bound to be um, challenged with, you know, some level of mediating some type Mm -hmm. of conflict, whether, you know, you just don't agree on how to move forward on the next task or you don't agree in, you know, on how the leader is guiding that whole process. So uh, I'm happy to hear that, you know, you are in the world doing this work. Thank you. You know, it's funny, as you were talking there, I was thinking about the next step beyond that too, right? Which is as stressful as all of that can be, you then carry that stress outside of the work hours, right? It comes into whatever your personal life looks like, you're bringing that home with you. Mm -hmm. So part of my motivation for all of this is lowering the stress level in the world right Right. if i could just get sort of big pictured for a moment there if we can create more positivity at work where Mm -hmm. often a lot of us are forced to interact with people who are different from ourselves in a way that doesn't happen outside of work um then we carry less stress outside of work and we can just have a more positive social experience in our community exactly and you know as you know we do similar type of work but Mm -hmm. it's just so um fulfilling knowing that like there are other people 
everywhere doing this and you know and trying to bring um positive and thriving um uh, create positive and thriving workplaces you know mm -hmm. everywhere for everyone and it's not as difficult as we make it seem but it does take work it takes well i should say it takes effort you yeah. know a lot of times we want people to do what we want them to do period so <laughs> and it doesn't work like that at work with the grown-ups <laughs> I don't think it works that way with my kids either. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That could be um, it, that could be also the case. So, so what do leaders need to know in this current workplace um, work environment to make their workplaces happier? There are really four keys, and they apply to any individual contributor, including the leader. But as a leader, I really push people to look outside of themselves and ask people how they're feeling, maybe engage in, in uh, employee surveys to sort of try to get a measure of how people are feeling on each of these issues, right? So the keys are purpose, engagement, resilience, and kindness. Right, so it spells out this lovely acronym of PERC. Mm -hmm. um, and this is not something I came up with, it's actually from positive psychology research, right? Mm -hmm. So purpose is some sense of why you're doing this work. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times, you know, I work with small business leaders, they are very clued in and tied in close to their purpose. They started mm -hmm. business or they purchased right. the business, but how do their employees feel about it? are their own personal values aligned with the purpose of the company outside of showing up for the paycheck um that's a question then there's engagement there's a lot of information out there about employee engagement but that feeling that you care and you're committed to both the work you do and the company you're doing it for or any organization whether it's government or nonprofit, that's the engagement piece resilience has just, I mean, this is the subject matter that has blown up with the COVID pandemic, um, but it's really, even before the pandemic, you know, there's always failures, there's always challenges, there's always setbacks. How do you, what's your ability to recover from that or to separate maybe from work and, you know, come back strong right. to fit, tackle the next challenge that comes along, right? And kindness is really, at every level, how we treat each other. What are our interpersonal uh, conversations like? Mm -hmm. And I say conversations very broadly, right? Um, as a mediator, of course, I know people get into trouble sometimes when they rely on the written conversations, um, <laughs> text, email, Slack, all that. Uh, but even in those forms of communication, there's ways to institute kinder practices um to treat people nicely mm -hmm. right like like just because you're forced to work with someone doesn't mean you can't be nice to them right and i think you know I, in my experience i should say <clears throat> being kind at work is seen as something as like uh i don't want being inappropriate maybe a strong word for it mm -hmm. but it is something that is like seeing that you do maybe at home and not at work. Yeah. Um, because I've, I've experienced a lot of leaders feel like that makes them look weak or <clears throat> like people will try to take advantage of them. 
Um, But I found the opposite, just the opposite, you know, and I found that just being consistent about being respectful and, you know, being kind, being respectful is part of being kind. You know, it's it's not that you have to give away the store and, you know, have apples on everyone's desk every time they, you know, every day they come (laughs) in the office or anything like that. But it's just, you know, just understanding that people are human, humans first, I should say, you know, and have things going on in their lives and you never know, you know, what people have going on. So Mm -hmm. being kind at work is, you know goes a long way, you know, to, you know, improve this relationships and productivity, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there any, pot- go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, if I could add to that for the leaders who are listening, I think there is an additional layer to kindness when you are in charge of a team, of an organization, because it's not just treating people with respect when you interact with them. Mm -hmm. It's also about the way you create policies, how you, to what degree you take feedback into Mm -hmm. account from your team. Um, You know, a lot of times I will, I work with a lot of HR folks and they serve an incredibly important role in terms of people management and recruitment and helping people through difficult times. and also sometimes they're really focused on the compliance aspect of policies whereas really a kinder approach when you're trying to build a more collaborative workplace is to think about your policies as how do we incorporate flexibility into something right you know and still meet the legal compliance Mm -hmm. but allow people to be able to take from the policy what they need to get their work done right so simple very current example is the concept of where do we do our work right are is this a business or the type of work that we do does it require us to be in a specific location like a retail shop or um, certain government agencies that are very customer facing right um or is this something where people can really get the work done from anywhere and the truth is there are many many organizations where different jobs look different ways and some require a person to be on a specific site and some don't so building flexibility into the way you write those policies is really important to help everyone feel that the organization as an entity cares for them yeah and that brings up a point about like the current work environment how you know a lot of companies were forced into this flexibility Mm -hmm. of remote work um you know, in, in my past organization as a government was as well. Uh, and especially in that case, it's hard to, um, to have a policy across the board because there are a lot of, you know, um, uh, customer facing activities that go on yeah. a lot of, you know, in communities, working communities. And so when you have organizations um, that have those challenges, it's, it's, very important to have, you know, policies that you can have some flexibility around, as you stated. And, and I think now you, and you can tell me if you're, you're seeing this, that it may even be even, it may be even more important to 
when you're onboarding someone to help them understand whether their position has flexibility or not. Mm -hmm. Because I think now everyone is like, you know, used to working from home and Mm -hmm. some positions just may not have that flexibility. So you can't assume that it does. But right. Um, I think that um, that is a great way to, you know, help meet compliance as well as be kinder about what you're doing in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Apparently I could talk about kindness itself forever mm-hmm. because what you just brought up is yet another point in my mind about it, which is the clearer you are in your communication, mm-hmm. the more kind you are behaving, That's right? Uh, Sometimes, and this gets sort of difficult for us whenever we feel uncomfortable about something, right? Because it can feel, especially I'm thinking about situations where managers need to give maybe more constructive feedback and you want to soften that. So you're matching it with something positive or you're saying it, giving someone what you hope is a direction for how to change some of the, some behavior, but it comes across sounding like a suggestion. That's ambiguity, that's not being kind. And the person is now thinking that they get to decide if they're gonna do what you say or if they're gonna do something else. That's not treating that person kindly, right? You really need to be clear about what you mean. And sometimes that just takes extra effort on our own parts as leaders in advance to kind of think about what do I really mean here? What do I actually need this person to be doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And why is often important as well. You reminded me, I always, um, encourage leaders to say what they mean and mean what they say and you can do that in a kind empathetic way but Mm -hmm. in an in in an accountable way as well so you know sometimes you I, I know I've had to say no to people a lot of times but you know i said it in a way that wasn't that didn't you know make them defensive or make them you know and sometimes i don't even think they heard it coming but you know and (laughs) i said it so you know so clearly and in a way that wasn't you know um that didn't feel like an attack of some sort of them as a person that i think that it you know when you do it that way it can be received better and you know you you get a reputation as a leader that you know you are you know you you become everything like fair and you know all these words that you may not even been going um for but you you know and then the word gets around about you and mm-hmm. so that helps with your work environment and that helps with um the connections you have with your employees and so i think you know the being kind in the workplace is is essential to being productive when you know, it, it, it really does impact the bottom line because mm-hmm. people can depending on how kind you are in all of the ways that you talked about people can decide whether they're going to be productive or they're just going to watch the clock and do the minimum mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> See, both of those yeah. happen <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I want to go back around to like the mediation piece sure. because um, I know that in my time um, in leadership, um, I've had to mediate things from, you know, somebody thought that they should have the, the parking space that just became available uh-huh. <laughs> to, you know, we want to implement a new policy about, um, tracking mileage and you know people 
the ways that we were doing it, people didn't weren't they felt maybe there was, you know, infringing on their privacy and all that. So, you know, we worked through it and but those are some of the things that, you know, a leader is more inclined to say, you're gonna do this like this and this the end of the story. And so, right. you know, there, there. How, how do you, or maybe you have some examples of some mediations that you have seen in the current in, in work environment? Yeah. So a lot of the mediations that I do come down to communication. Um, sometimes there is a very specific dispute between two parties um, that you know that's the reason for mediating, but the reason the dispute exists really is about how people are communicating their needs um and other times i have a case right now where i was called in simply because people aren't communicating well Mm-hmm. And one of the parties at the beginning was sort of like, I'm not even sure what the dispute is. I really don't know. I'm going to find out along with you as the mediator in the session. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to share a few things about mediation. Um, when you bring in an outside mediator, we use the word mediate a lot like you just did. Like I'm helping two parties through something. Um, if you are in a at a point where you feel like you need to bring in a, a mediator, you want to look for someone who's trained. A lot of states um, don't actually require mediators who are in private practice to have any training. So you want to inquire about that. And this person needs to be neutral, right? This is why unfortunately and i say this with a lot of love because i work with a lot of hr folks hr should not be mediating anything a lot of times hr folks are are trained in mediation they learn something about it and that's an important skill set because it can be used in a lot of different arenas but if you really have two people who are not communicating well you want to bring in someone who is not seen as the face of the organization right if you bring me in to mediate uh you're paying me to mediate like no matter what i don't have any um, skin in the game for what the outcome should be, or even if there needs to be an agreement. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. That is the form of neutrality that we often talk about with mediation. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also share that I happen to be a facilitative mediator, which means that I don't even make suggestions about what I think the best outcome might be. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a human being, I might have opinions, but I'm gonna keep them to myself. Um, I'm gonna ask some questions. I'm going to maybe say, well, have you thought about such and such as a path forward? Mm-hmm. Nothing that I share should be taken as, you know, oh, well, Gina thinks that's what we should do. Right. Because it doesn't matter what I think, because I'm neutral, because I'm not the person who needs to abide by this agreement if we get to one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really important aspect of choosing a mediator. Um, But most of the time, I mean, workplace mediation can be done in so many situations. My own personal favorites are when I get called in to work with two leaders um, who aren't communicating, they're not seeing eye to eye. Uh, There was um, co-owners of a small business at the start of the pandemic. It was my first ever mediation via Zoom. Um, And happily, we were able to get to an agreement, but these were two people who had co-founded a business. And a couple years in, they were having so much trouble talking to each other, just Mm. having a conversation that they were considering closing their doors. And it had nothing to do with the fact that the pandemic had just started. It was really around the fact that they were not getting along. Um, Now I cannot pretend like after my mediation session, they were best friends, Mm -hmm. but I came in at a moment of urgency, almost in a triage situation. And we worked through some different communication processes that they said, well, what if we tried this? What if we tried that? I said, okay, let's talk about what if you did try those things? Mm -hmm. 
And less than a year later, they had actually expanded their business. Okay. So they were now employing more people That's rather great. than having shut down. Um, so, you know, it's stories like that, that mm -hmm. help me to feel like I'm really making a difference mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. workplace mediation. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, an, an awesome story and an off, awesome results because, um, you know, I'm sure even though they, the pandemic wasn't causing them to have these issues, the pandemic probably exacerbated those issues because now you have other things that mm -hmm. you are, you know, have to have to consider, you know, as, as the world exactly. is changing and you are in a situation where you're not communicating well with the person that you need to help make those um, hard yeah. decisions, you know? So, yeah. um, so that's great. That is um, something that's very much needed. And I, I think the other part is that, I don't know, do you, ha do you find that in general leaders want to admit that they have a problem? Nothing. Never. <laughs> okay. This is probably I, I, why I do less mediation than training uh -huh, and facilitation. Uh -huh. However, um, I think it serves a really important purpose. Yeah. And I find that people are more responsive to me talking about mediation if I sort of I'm the one to kind of admit up front that this is like when something urgent is going on mm -hmm. or something has festered for so long right. that it's gotten to a point where it's not sustainable. Right. Um and you know, mediation is voluntary. If mm -hmm. you know, you, you can't force anyone into it as maybe a company owner or mm -hmm. head of HR, you can suggest mediation to people. You can even bring me in to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And if they say, no, I don't want to do this, then okay, we're not going to have a mediation session right now. It's still an option in the future. Right, right, right. And I think that, you know, at least that allows them to learn what mediation for them would really mean. Um, mm -hmm. And like you said, they can make the decision themselves whether they think it's something that works for them. But at least yeah. they'll have that knowledge and know that you are there if, um, uh, you're, you, like you said, you probably will get the call when it's like a 911 or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so tell me, or tell the listening audience, what's your best leadership tip? It's kind of hard to put into a nutshell mm -hmm. um, because it's really about listening, but it's not just listening. Mm -hmm. um, it's about empathy and understanding people from their own points of view. So I think the best thing that leaders can do both for the people they're leading and to advance whatever organization it is, mm -hmm. is to listen to their people assume their people are right and everything they're sharing is true because it is from their perspective right and then actually be responsive to it mm. okay so for example we were talking earlier about times you had to tell people no right so you want to help people understand that you heard what they're talking about you understood the request mm -hmm you even maybe appreciate the request or why they're asking for it and you still have to say no and this is the reason you have to say no right. so i i don't know how much of this is sort of um self-selection mm -hmm. i am am an explainer mm -hmm. uh, i mentioned earlier i have kids i'm always explaining things to them <laughs> i've gotten told by them mom stop explaining it's too much <laughs> but the reason i do that 
and I do it throughout all of my life, right? It's definitely professionally as well as um, in personal uh, ties. It's because when people hear the explanation, they go, oh, this isn't arbitrary. Mm-hmm. You've got a reason for this. Okay, I get it. Now, that still only works if they think you've heard them. And they're right. not going to feel like you listened unless you can tell them mm-hmm. what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, some people think this sounds wild, but I actually do a training on active listening that involves reflecting back mm-hmm. what you heard the person say. And that is a very specific skill. It is not paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. It is not summarizing. It is not reporting on the results of a survey. It is literally, Carolyn, you said that you wanted to, us to talk about kindness today. Mm-hmm. You literally said to me, Gina, let's talk about kindness today. So I'm saying it back to you so you can hear your words from my mouth. Mm -hmm. And then you feel, I've been heard. Mm -hmm. Gina understands me. Okay. No, that's awesome because you're right. Um, Listening, actively listening is a big um, um, component of being an effective leader. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. So tell us um, how the audience can reach you if they're interested in learning more about your work and working with you. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Gina D'Andrea Weatherup. You can also look at uh, the company website, ChantillyMediationAndFacilitation.com. And in fact, um, I've I'm going to give you my phone number as well. It's 703-951-6647. Mm-hmm. If you are in that moment of urgency and you're like, maybe I do need to talk to a mediator, please feel free to pick up the phone and call me. But also I wanted to share that on uh, Thursday, December 9th, I'm doing a public workshop. I only do a few of these a year. This one happens to be about resilience. It's called No More Burnout, an Employer's Guide to Resilience. It's ah. only one hour. Um, you are not going to leave. You know, I can't promise you you end the workshop with, you know, being a more resilient leader, but you will get some theory. You will get a deeper understanding of it. You will get some practical tips for yourself that if you use them, you will become more resilient. <laughs> um, and we know that leaders set the tone, right? So if you're able to deal with the stress a little bit better if you're able to hang in there and be the resilient leader then your people are more likely to be resilient and get less burnout as well um so that information is at my website or you can register directly at bit.ly slash no more burnout all right say that again bit.ly slash no more burnout all right Thank you very much for sharing that. So um, anyone interested in participating and in, in attending that workshop, please um, go to the website that Gina has indicated and say it again. It is bit, B-I-T mm-hmm. dot L-Y slash no more burnout. That's the part people are going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Gina, thank you so much for being here today. We've truly appreciated all of the information and the knowledge and the gems that you have given us today to um, lead more kindly and to 
understand if we need a mediator it's okay if you need a mediator absolutely absolutely we all need a little help sometimes thank you carolyn i'm very grateful to have the opportunity to talk here and share more about my work and it's always fun chatting with you yes definitely fun chatting with you as well all right so until next time be better today than yesterday be better tomorrow than today bye for now